0: So I want to talk with you a little bit about our, our time together today. It's going to be a, a bit of a, a different uh, service today. We're going to be taking a break from our study in the book of Revelation for a couple of weeks. And uh, Lord willing, we'll return to that uh, sometime after Resurrection Sunday. Uh, but we're going to be spending most of our time together this morning in prayer. Uh, it was uh, a year ago that... Um, Words like quarantine started to become a part of our regular vocabulary. I'm not sure if my vocal cords in my mouth had ever said that word until, until a year ago. Um, but those words and many other strange words that we've been talking about became a part of a, our vocabulary. And over the last year, we have experienced together as a church and as a country and as a world a great trial together. We, in, in, in our lives, experience all sorts of of trials. But most of the trials that we experience are trials that we experience on our own or with a very small circle of people. But the trial of the last year has been a a corporate one. It has impacted every single one of us in one way or another. No matter our, our opinions and our disagreements about what should or should have happened throughout the course of this year, it has been a trial that all of us have experienced and endured together. And it's been right around a year since this difficult trial started, and we want to gather corporately to pray together, to give God praise for who he is, to lament the pain and the difficulty that we've experienced this past year, to ask God to continue to act and to do his work through this time, and to remember the good works that he's already done. So a year ago, as we were entering into this new season, we, we paused and we spent a good portion of our Sunday morning gathering a year ago uh, to stop and to pray. And during our prayer during that uh, service, we prayed for our missionaries locally and overseas and the ways that the, the virus is going to cause different challenges for them. We prayed for our government leaders asking for God's wisdom and direction for them. We prayed for uh, those who would be struggling with mental health and the different kinds of isolation, uh, the different kinds of mental health problems that could be caused through the isolation that we were about to face. We prayed for our health care providers and uh, that God would give them wisdom and skill as they went about their work. And we also prayed for our life together in our small groups here in our church, recognizing that those were going to be an important place of connection for us as as a church um, as we entered into that season. And so we're going to spend most of our time again today praying together as a congregation. And we're going to use Psalm 118 as a foundational scripture to guide us through how to pray in times of trial. How to pray in times of trial. So over the course of our our time today, we are going to do a very brief teaching, like five minutes or so, on four different aspects of prayer in times of trial. Adoration and praise. Lament. Making requests. Asking that God would move and act. And then also remembering and giving testimony to God's good work. And so what we're going to do is we're going to be reading Psalm 118 at three different times throughout our our gathering today. And this is a psalm that's meant to give us some, some words and some ideas about how to pray and how to pray in hope in times of trial. And then throughout the time, Simpson and I are going to come, and we're going to give a very short teaching on one aspect of these kinds of prayers, and then we're going to invite you to join us in praying um, in that sort of way. And so in just a few minutes, is going to come up, and he's going to pray about the importance of adoration and praise through trial, and then after that time, you're going to have an opportunity to give your own voice, whether that be silently in your own heart to God or out loud so that all of us can join you, or if you want to turn to the person next to you and, and pray together with them, it's really free for you to pray in whatever way God is calling you to, to lead. And so we'll have a time of, of prayer where we focus on adoration and praise to God, and then we're going to sing a song, and then we're going to move into a time of lament. And I'll come up and I'll teach a few minutes on lament, and then I'm going to invite you to join in, in praying about lament, and we'll, we'll go that way through the course of the service. Just a few things. Um, Throughout this time, silence is okay. If it gets loud in here, it's okay. If you at any time need to get out into the aisle and kneel, that's okay. Luke has done a a great job over the last uh, year reminding us that our postures of our body in prayer reflect things about our inner life. And so if you need to kneel or lift up your hands or or lay prostrate on the ground, or if you want to come forward at the prayer rails and to, to pray, please feel free to do that. Um, as always, if you come to this side, one of our, our elders will come and pray with you over here. And so this is, uh, throughout this time, it's a time for you to be free in your expressions of prayer as we guide you through these four different aspects of prayer through trial. So uh, with that, i just like to ask Shane, are you reading first? Shane's going to come and read Psalm 118 for us as we begin our time of prayer today.
1: The 118th Psalm. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let Israel say, his love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, his love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, his love endures forever. When hard pressed, I cried to the Lord. He brought me into a spacious place. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? The Lord is with me. He is my helper. I look in triumph on my enemies. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in humans. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. All the nations surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord I cut them down. They surrounded me on every side. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. The Lord's right hand is lifted high. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. I will not die, but live, and will proclaim what the Lord has done. The Lord has chastened me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open for me the gates of the righteous. I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous may enter. I will give you thanks, for you answered me. You have become my salvation. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord we bless you. The Lord is God, and he has made his light shine on us. With bows in hand, join in the festal procession up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God, and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever.
2: So excited as we talk a little bit about adoration, and just before I talk about it, I wanted to say that um, we, we are looking forward next week as Palm Sunday comes up to remember when Jesus came in on a donkey as a king, on a donkey, and then he had people throwing out garments on the floor, palm branches on the floor, and saying, Hosanna, and blessed is he, comes in the name of the Lord and that was uh, prophetic because it had come from from this particular psalm as a prophetic thing and as we think about and prepare our hearts for that I'm excited to talk a little bit about adoration and we get into doing it and not just talking about it prayer is something that we do not something that we talk about Um, so I just want to encourage us as we talk about this that it's something that we do we need to practice our time of prayer So verse 26 is the one that really speaks of Jesus coming in as king, and he's adored by these people. They are laying down their garments. They they are laying down those branches and saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It's got nothing to do with them. It's got all to do with Jesus. So they, they say out, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, and we have blessed him from the house of the Lord. But also I want you to realize that in this psalm, that we are using for prayer. Psalm 118, verse 1 and 4, the beginning, the first part of the psalm is, a, is adoration. It's adoration. Listen to what he says. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercies endures forever. Let Israel say, his mercies endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, His messes endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, His messes endures forever. It's got nothing to do with anything else, but with him and his character. His character in there is that his messes and his love endures forever. When we come to a prayer of adoration, we are seeking nothing else but just to cherish him for who he is. We are not asking. We, we are just cherishing him. We are telling him how wonderful he is. We are calling him by his names. He is Jehovah Rapha. He is Jehovah Roy. He is Jehovah Tzidikenu. He is Jehovah Al-Shaddai. He is Jehovah Nisi. He is our banner. We are calling him with those names. We are uplifting him. It's got nothing to do with us when it comes to adoration. When it comes to adoration, we are seeking to exalt him. We are saying to him, you are exalted above all things. The focus is not on us, it is on him. When we come to adoration, we are focusing on nothing else but his goodness. The Lord is good and his mercies endures forever. The focus on adoration is on God. I'm going to say that over and over again. Because we... We are a society that is very self focused. And so, being a society that is very self focused and individual focused, we think everything is about us. But in adoration, we realize it's not about us, it's about Him. It's not about what He can do for us, (laughs) what we need to ask Him. We're not asking, we are just going to Him and saying, We praise you because of who you are. We call on His characteristics. In adoration, there are two sides to adoration, and we're going to do both two sides. At this point, at this moment, there are two sides. One is praise, where we give him thanks for who he is. It's praise and worship. We are giving him worship and thanks for who he is. It's got nothing to do with what he has done for us or anything else. But also, there is a part of it that is thanksgiving, that we are giving thanks for the things that he has done for us. That's where testimony will come at the end. But I want you to... Concentrate at this point at the praise and worship. We're going to concentrate on giving glory to God for who he is. C.S. Lewis gives some some few things that I really liked when I read on obstacles that stop us um, from adoring God for being in a place of adoration. The first one is inattention. We cannot adore what we do not see. Our attention is so much, sometimes we find, especially these days, our attention is so much on news, on the politics, on the pandemic, on the rules, on, on, on the big words that Ryan was saying that we've started speaking. Our attention is taken by so many things that we forget to stop and see him for who he is. Yesterday I was speaking to the kids' church leaders and I said to them, Martha comes to Jesus um, after Lazarus has died And she complains And she tells him That if you were not here My brother would not have died Blah, blah, blah. And Jesus says And he says I know, She says I know He would uh, be raised again From the dead And in the last day She's got scripture She's got all those things But then Jesus says to her She stops talking When she stops talking Jesus says to her I am the resurrection And the life Anyone who believes in me Will live again Do you believe this at that moment something happens to Martha she has stopped to listen she has paid attention to what Jesus is saying at that moment she changes and something happens and Martha says you are the Christ you are the son of God where do we remember those words from? from Peter and what did Jesus say about those words? they are not revealed by flesh and blood but by my Father who is in heaven. When we stop, we can adore him and see him for who he is. Attention, paying attention. Let's pay attention this morning. The second thing that uh, C.S. Lewis says is paying the wrong kind of attention. That, that means when we hear something, when we see something, we see a sunset and we want to analyze it. Sometimes our, 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 we are people who want to know, who are obsessed with knowledge. And so we want to analyze everything. And sometimes it's not a matter of analyzing. It's a matter of standing and seeing God for who he is and what he has created. Thank you, Lord, for that sunset. I don't need to analyze that are the people in Africa getting the same sunset or are the people. I don't need that at this point. I just need to say thank you, Lord, that I can see that sunset. Thank you. For the beauty that you have created. But we tend to analyze. So we lose our focus. We focus on something else. I want us to bring our attention back to that. He is the creator. He is God. He is all powerful, all present, all knowing. He is God. He is all wise. And then the other thing that C.S. Lewis says, he says it's greed. Greed. That sometimes greed stops us. Because instead of simply enjoying what God has given us, we keep on saying, Enko, Enko, let's repeat it. Let's do it again. And we're doing it because we want it. We want that feeling. It's not about a feeling. Feelings are important. But it's not about it. It's about who he is and what he has done. The last one that he speaks about is conceit. When we turn it to be about us again. And at this time of adoration, I'm going to ask you and ask me that we don't turn it to be about us. There's going to be a time for us to ask. But this is just a time to adore him. Come, let us adore him. He is Christ, the risen Lord. Come, let us adore him because he is king who is seated on the throne. Come, let us adore him because of who he is. So I'm going to take a minute and pray, a prayer of adoration. And I want us to get together after that, and we'll stand, or we can sit, or you can do whatever you feel God is leading you to. You may kneel, whatever, but we're going to take time, even if in silence. But we're going to give an open door for people to say their adoration. Remember, it's not about you. It's not about the other people that you, you're not asking, you're just adoring him because he is worth of all the praise. You're worthy of all honor and glory. You are the king exalted on high. There is no one that compares to you. You are Jehovah, our God. You are present. You are here. You are all loving. You are all caring. You are a fierce king too. You are a friend. You are a father. We worship you this morning. We worship your majesty this morning. We bow down before the king. We bow down in your majesty. You are worthy to receive all honor, all glory, and all praise. Let's adore him, Broadway.
0: We always begin prayer by looking up. Because God is, all of these things that we've said that he is, we can come to him in prayer knowing that he has all things in control and in his hands. And so in our times of crisis, we begin our prayers by looking up because he is glorious and precious and tender and righteous Beautiful, all the things that we've said and prayed about today. It's because He is all of those things that we come to Him in prayer. And so prayer always begins vertically by, by looking to Him because of who He is. But in our prayer, it also attends to the business of our life, the things that are happening all around us. And life in our world is filled with pain and with sin. And with ugliness. Out there in the world, and also right here in our hearts. And so one important aspect of prayer in times of trial is this word, this idea, lament. Lament. And that's a very churchy word. It's not even really a word that we use very often in church. But it's an important biblical idea. Lament is giving words to our pain. Giving words to our pain. As Americans, we are experts at avoiding our pain, we numb ourselves to our pain. Why? Feel all the feels if I have Netflix. We numb ourselves. We're expert at pretending that our pain isn't there. We move toward our compulsions and our distractions and our addictions when we are in pain. But what's important to also remember is that lament, on the other hand, is not wallowing in our pain. This is not self-pity. Lament is not woe is me. Lament is talking to God about our pain. And that's different than self pity or woe is me. Lament is admitting the truth that all is not right in our world. All is not right in here. Lament is bringing all of that, everything's not all right, to God. In the Bible, is filled with people that did this. People who are crying out to God in times of distress, expressing their anger to God, asking God that question that all of us ask, Why? If you read the prophets, just about every chapter has some expression of grief or lament in it. There's an entire book of the Bible called Lamentations. Lament. The Bible gives us permission, I would say, even instructs us to lament, tells us it's something that we must do in order to rightly relate to God and to our world. Almost half of the psalms are psalms of lament. These are prayers to God in these deep times of intense pain. And these psalm writers, while they are in pain, they're still praying. They're still talking to God. They're still seeking him. Their suffering did not turn them away from God as suffering so often does to so many people. Instead, their suffering turned them to God all the more. And that's the invitation of lament. To turn to God and to experience him in a new and real and deeper and richer way than we ever would, would have otherwise if it wasn't for this thing that I'm going through right now. To experience his mercies that are new every morning to us. In Psalm 118, the, the psalm writer talks about how in anguish, in his pain, he cried out to the Lord. He talks about how all of his enemies are surrounding him on every side, swarming him like bees. He acknowledges in this psalm that he has had to look face to face with the reality of his own death, his own immortality. There is his own mortality. Part of the Christian life is going through pains and trials. And in that pain and trial, we are instructed and it's modeled in the Bible that we are called to lament. To give words to our pain by offering those words to God. And what the Bible tells us is that there is blessing and healing that comes when we do this. Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn. A couple years ago, we looked at the Beatitudes and how each of them are very, very strange. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who experience the pain and sadness that, that all of us experience in one way or another in our life and who then mourn, who are able to then lament, to give their words to God in their pain. And the reason they're blessed isn't because of the pain. It's not because of this terrible thing that's happening to them. The reason that they are blessed is because they will be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn, who lament, who bring our suffering to God... Because we know that someone's listening to us. Not everyone knows this. There are people who come up against the tragedies in their life and they believe that their cries at night are heard by no one. As followers of Jesus... We know that the cries that we cry out at night are heard by our maker, our creator, and the lover of our souls. And so we can offer those things to him freely. And we're blessed when we do, because when we do, we will be comforted. So I'm going to invite you right now into a time of of lament. Of expressing your, your pain to God. I want to invite you again, if you want to do that out loud, so that all of us can hear your cry, we will, we will mourn with you. We will bear that burden with you. If you want to find someone and share with them what pain you're going through right now, grab them. Go to some other part of the, uh, the building or just sit there right in the pew and share with them your pain and cry and lament together. I want to invite you now to have this time now where we consider the last year that we've gone through, when we consider our own corporate struggles as a church, as we consider the, the struggles that we've had as a nation, as we consider the frustrations and disappointments that we've seen over this past year, that we would then just now, with our words, offer all of that pain and that frustration back to God. Lord, you know the pain of every single man and woman and child that is in this room. You know the suffering and the trial that they are enduring right now. Physical struggles, emotional struggles, relational difficulties, spiritual emptiness, wondering, God, where are you and why is this happening to me? Lord, I pray that Lord, I know that you hear our cries. I pray that as we offer these to you right now, that you would meet us and that you would comfort us in the name of Jesus.
3: Psalm 118. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let Israel say, his love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, His love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, His love endures forever. When hard pressed, I cried to the Lord. He brought me into a spacious place. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? The Lord is with me. He is my helper. I look in triumph on my enemies. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in humans. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. All the nations surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord, I cut them down. They surrounded me on every side, but in the name of the Lord, I cut them down. They swarmed around me like bees, but they were consumed as quickly as burning thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them down. I was pushed back and about to fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. Shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. The Lord's right hand is lifted high. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. I will not die but live and will proclaim what the Lord has done. The Lord has chastened me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open for me. The gates of the righteous, I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord, through which the righteous may enter. I will give you thanks, for you answered me. You have become my salvation. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day, but let us rejoice today and be glad. Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. For the house of the Lord we bless you. The Lord is God. He has made his light shine on us. With bows in hand, join in the festal procession up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God, and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever.
0: Prayer in our times of trial also involves requests, asking God to do something. Lord, you see this trial that we're going through, you see this struggle that we're going through, would you act, would you do something? We come and we we ask God. A big part of our life of prayer is asking God. Psalm 118, verse 5, he says, That in my anguish, the Lord gave me freedom. In my anguish, I cried out to God and he gave me freedom. When we ask God, we are acknowledging our dependency on him. When we ask God, we are acknowledging that we are needy and that he is rich, that we are weak and that he is strong. That we don't have all of the answers, but we're coming to the one who does. Friends, in a time of trial, I am I'm very quick to find all of my own solutions. I'm usually pretty sure that I am competent to figure this thing out. In this past year, I have over and over and over and over and over and over and over again come to the end of my own ability. So one of the mercies of of God in the pain and frustration of this past year for me is discovering how much of a lie my own self-sufficiency is. When we pray, when we ask, we are acknowledging our dependency on God, that we are children coming to our Father asking that he would provide. In Luke chapter 11, there's a wonderful teaching about prayer. In Luke chapter 11, Jesus teaches on the Lord's Prayer, and then he gives a couple of parables to talk about prayer. At the very end of his teaching on on prayer, this is what Jesus says. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give? Fill in the blank. Give what? Give what, though? That's what we think it's supposed to say. It was perfect, Simps. Your, your wrong answer was exactly what I wanted somebody to say. If you fathers know how to good give, good, give good gifts to your children, how much more then will your Father in heaven, and we expect to hear, give good gifts to those who ask Him, but that's not what Jesus says. Jesus says who will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. The end goal of prayer... Of asking when we make requests is not getting everything that we want in the way that we want it. The end goal of prayer is relationship with God. The end goal of prayer is the experience of the Holy Spirit, his personal presence in your life. Making requests of God in our times of trial is an expression of this dependency on God. And our self-sufficiency, our coming up with your own plans, Ryan, your own designs, Ryan, to fix the thing is keeping me from an opportunity to relate to God. We make our requests to God not because he's a genie in a bottle, but because he's a father who loves us and who knows what's best for us. He is the one who has answers and solutions and the power to make a good thing out of impossible situations. And we don't know how to do that. And it's in asking and the dependency that we have in growing uh, in coming to ask him. It's in the asking that we grow in this relationship with the Father. It's where he gives us his Holy Spirit. And so we want to invite you now to ask What is it that you want to see God do in you, in our church, in our city, in our country? And to ask him as a child comes to a father and asks.
2: The last part of our prayer time, as we say it in the beginning, I say it started with praise and it ends with thanksgiving. In our adoration of God, of who he is. Even the Lord's prayer starts there and ends there. Hallowed be thy name. And it ends with your kingdom. You are king forever. It ends there and it starts there in adoration. And as we end our time of prayer, I want to call into, into thought, verse 5 of our psalm. That says, I called On the Lord in my distress And the Lord answered me And he set me on a broad place Verse 14 Says this Well you push me violently That I might fall But the Lord helped me The Lord is my strength And my song He has become my salvation Verse 21 goes on and says I will praise you For you have answered me and you have become my salvation. Verse 28 and 29 to finish, he says, this is the last verses, he says, You are my God, I will praise you. You are my God, I will exalt you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for his good, his messes, or his love and do us forever. Six reasons why we share our testimonies. Number one, it is, it's an act of thanksgiving. We are asking and we are praising. We have asked and we know that God is faithful and we know that when he does something, we can give thanks back and praise him. It's an act of worship. It's an act of thanksgiving. Testifying is recommending God to somebody else. You're telling them that, hey, I went through this and he was there for me. He will be there for you because he promised Somebody prayed this morning that he is faithful to his promises. You're recommending him to somebody. It also edifies the person who's listening. Their faith is arised or lifted up. Their soul is lifted up because they know that if God could do it for David, he would be able to do it for me. When we testify, we put the enemy to shame. Because he thinks that it's over Each time we go through a tough time The enemy says it's over When Jesus died on the cross and was put in the tomb The enemy thought it was over But the king had another move And so when we, when we testify of what God has done We are shaming the enemy telling him The king has another move It's not over until the king says so. And lastly, it confirms our faith in God. People in the world speak of luck. People in the world speak of all those things. We are not lucky. We have a God who is alive. It doesn't happen by coincidence. He has a plan and he has a purpose. And he answers prayer. And I will take an opportunity. I would, I would ask you to take an opportunity... We don't have anyone that we've asked to share a testimony, but we want you to be at a place where you can share your testimony. Take an opportunity to stand up, share what God has done for you. Be brief enough so somebody else can take a time. Take an opportunity. I'll be waiting here. Share what God has done for you. Where have you seen him? Amen. 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 Thank you for God's faithfulness. Thank you for God's.